Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for the ASHP Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. This series is focused on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. Uh, my name is Antonia Akrap. I'm the Pharmacy Manager of Perioperative Pharmacy Services at Massachusetts General Hospital, and I will be your host. So today, we are sitting down with Tina Doe, who's the Associate Director of Clinical Strategy and Business Development at Yale New Haven Health. So uh, thank you for joining us, Tina, and welcome today. Um, Tina is here today to talk us through fundamental leadership skills of project management. Uh, I often think that uh, this topic is very overlooked as we transition into leadership positions or even as we enlist our frontline staff to lead projects. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing your thoughts, Tina. You know, I think we can get started maybe going way back to the beginning of project management and thinking first, um, if you could maybe, Tina, review with us the primary phases even of a project that you typically try to plan out. I think maybe for our new managers and leaders, having a strong understanding of that is key to a successful project. Thank you, Antonia. I'm excited to be a part of this podcast today. Um, and I completely agree with you with uh, new leaders and even frontline staff, understanding the fundamentals of project management is incredibly important because we're always involved in so many different projects in the pharmacy arena. Um, and over time, actually, for me, uh, project management was uh, pretty much like a science and an art. And I say that because project management has a lot of you know, project plans, report out calculations, you're tracking things. So there's a lot of detail and structure in it. But then there is the art component, which is like the soft skills that includes things like being a leader for the team, um, managing stakeholder engagement uh, and communication. And all of that allows us to appropriately manage a project, ensure alignment and moving the team forward. Typically, projects are supposed to be a temporary endeavor. And so we have a definitive end. And at the end of this, you want to create a product, a service or a result. Um, and when you break down projects, there are a couple of different phases. One is called initiating, there's planning, executing, monitoring and controlling and closing. And these phases don't necessarily need to stop uh, before the other phase begins. And there's a lot of overlap and it varies uh, in intensity throughout the project life cycle. And so initiating is uh, includes things like uh, creating a project charter, identifying the customers and the needs of the project, and then planning includes developing an action plan, basically listing out all the details, action steps, timelines, schedules, resources that are available, uh, and all the project teams and each individual person's roles and responsibilities in that team. And then executing the project is uh, simply executing your action plan and coordinating those activities, managing the team, and then monitoring and trolling. It's really important because as you progress through your project, there may be a lot of different asks that are added on. So you want to make sure your project's on track, there are status updates, report outs, uh, engaging the stakeholders and having um, any issues logs documented. And then closing is just verifying that your action plan is complete and that if there's any outstanding steps that if you need to hand off, you would do that uh, as well. So 
in general, um, there are a couple different phases in projects and having tools for these phases all help with a successful project management. Yeah, thanks, Tina. I really like your comment on how, you know, project planning is both a science and an art. Um, and I completely agree with all of that. I think it's so easy to forget also that a lot of these steps, like you've mentioned, can and should have overlap a lot of the time, right? Like, especially if we're monitoring something, needing to make changes. But I know we'll get into that in a bit too. Um, from what, you know, all the steps you mentioned, obviously we're not working on any of this alone. So I want to get your thoughts too on how, as you're going through these steps and even as you're initiating a project, um, how do you go about getting getting your frontline staff engaged and keeping them engaged throughout a project, you know, no matter the scale of it? That is a great question because uh, engagement of the team helps with your project management success. And I would say for Yale New Haven Health, where I'm from, the pharmacy department here does a fantastic job of early engagement of frontline staff. And so we do a call for any project ideas throughout the year um, to collect project ideas. And one of the reasons we do that is that we are getting those ideas from the frontline staff to kind of promote the early engagement because these are actually coming from, from the frontline staff and what they're seeing as potential needs. Uh, in addition to all of these fostering of project management engagement, I do provide an annual project management presentation to the department. This includes, um, it's timed around our residency program onboarding. Um, and within this presentation, I always start off with the importance of communication and the communication plan. And so for projects in general, communication and effective communication is really important to remain engaged with the team, the different key stakeholders um, and the sponsors. And there are different types of meetings that are important to consider when putting together a communication plan. So a couple uh, that comes to mind is the kickoff meeting. This is a meeting that a lot of people use to introduce the team, a kind of a bonding meeting, um, and also creating the project charter. The team meetings are more frequent, and these are basically utilized as a touch-based meeting, uh, answering any questions, um, providing solutions for issues, status updates, and just running through the action plan and keeping a good pulse on it. Workgroup meetings, um, and you can actually transform a team meeting into a workgroup meeting if you don't need a team meeting at that time. You can actually work through an action step and do more um, uh, productive working in that meeting itself. And then you have project report out. So some projects may need to report out to committees, uh, may need to report out to key stakeholders that are consulted, to sponsors. So that's another type of meeting that uh, people should keep in mind. And to foster engagement, I always encourage project managers and the leaders of those projects to end their meetings with a, a who, what, when plan. And what I mean by that is you want to indicate who is responsible for what action and when is the due date. And that just helps reset expectations and accountability um, and make sure that the team is on the same page with regards to the action plan. And in some ways, when I think about the the implementing a change that's connected to a project, it reminds me of the Cotter's uh, change management model. Um, and so like in a kickoff meeting, what the leader is doing is creating a sense of urgency. You're gathering your guiding coalition or your team and you're building upon that vision. And so that vision is really the project charter. 
uh, which will become your compass, and then the action plan. Within the action plan itself, uh, a lot of times it's really important to highlight the milestones and the quick wins because a project can be uh, very stressful and can take some quite some time to accomplish the end result. And so it's really good for the leader to pause and actually celebrate those quick wins with the team itself. And then in those meetings, like I mentioned earlier, with the who, what, when plan, it's important to empower each team member to take uh, part of the action plan, really own that part to continue engagement. And then with regards to communication, it's uh, an effort amongst all people, whether it be communication from the team members, from the sponsors, from the project manager, and that's all to ensure that your key stakeholders are informed, engaged, consulted, and having that communication plan really helps with engagement for all parties. Um, and honestly, it's one of the key components to project management success um, because without it, people are not uh, well-informed and cannot guide you through that project if there's any issues. And Tina, there's so many things that you had just mentioned that really stick out to me and that I know I'll be using in my own practice based on what you'd mentioned, but I couldn't agree more. I, I feel like we have that saying of there's no such thing as over-communicating and especially from what you've been mentioning that is completely true. It's also great to hear the way that you uh, and your Yale team keeps your frontline staff engaged throughout the year in projects. It reminds me of something that we started doing at MGH a couple of years back where we have a TV monitor in our main inpatient central pharmacy that kind of has a scrolling slides of projects that the leadership team is working on. And uh, in within those slides, we talk about which projects need frontline engagement, which how much frontline engagement. And then we also have a separate little link of submitting project ideas. So uh, yeah, I think that's a great way to keep the staff engaged. And obviously I've always found Cotter's steps to be extremely helpful especially throughout residency when I was learning who key players were, trying to create urgency while moving through new rotations every few weeks. So thank you for that insight. And I think with our kind of next phase of thinking through a project, you know, now that you have your staff engaged in the idea, how do you approach those initial planning steps? Great question. And uh, to be honest, project management can be so overwhelming. And so having uh, tools to break it down into different pieces is really helpful. What I mentioned earlier with the, the preliminary planning that we do in order to gather ideas, we actually go through a lot of other rounds. And so once the grid is populated by these ideas, it actually uh, gets vetted through a couple other iterations and, and committees and meetings so that we can connect it to the pillars, connect it to the goals, and scope for feasibility. Um, and once that's completed, we actually fill the, the grid with a sponsor and then a share with the managers and supervisors who then engage the frontline staff to see if they're interested in being part of the team, being uh, responsible of that project, et cetera. So what you're doing right now is really filling out the rest of the team and putting in the correct complement of people in order for this project to start. And we actually have a committee called the Strategic Planning and Change Control Committee that uh, creates the structure and continuously enhances structure to engage the staff. And then it's also a forum that people can go to to request new additions, deletions, or changes in the strategic plan grid over time because things fluctuate and change throughout the year. But once we have that team identified, that becomes like the initiation phase. And so the person that uh, I would call the responsible and lead, which is basically the project manager, starts to launch the project. 
and they will work with the team to create the project charter. This charter is really important for us. It includes information such as all the team members' names, who the sponsor is, the project purpose. Uh, it identifies the success criteria uh, with SMART goals. And then we have measures of success, which we indicate in threshold, target, and stretch so the team knows what they're trying to accomplish. And then it includes project scope. It includes constraints, risks, and project milestones. So as you can see, it's a very robust uh, document. And to be honest, I always think of it as a compass or a reference point to for the team to go back to and ensure that the projects are meeting its goals, its purpose, um, and that is still in scope and you haven't encountered any scope creep. And then spending time on this charter is really important because that's really what your action plan and everything else, are, the activities will be re referring back to uh, many times. And uh, once you create that project charter, the next phase is the planning phase. And that is where the action plan is created. And I find that actually this one takes probably the most time to to complete and, and create. And because this is the, the document that is really comprehensive, it is very detailed. You wanna include every single action step that you can think of that this project needs, all the owners, all the due dates. And then this is where in the project team meeting, you will go back and track the status and see if there's any issues or barriers that need to be brought to the team meeting or to the sponsor if it impacts any of the timeline or if you need help with removing some of these barriers because it may be um, as a frontline staff or as a new manager, maybe that you need your director or someone else above to remove some of those barriers. So those tools are, are really helpful, the charter and the action plan. Yeah, thanks, Tina. I, you know, reflecting on the charter, especially in those initial planning phases before you even get to your action plan, I'm sure you'd be in agreement, but I feel like a lot of that time that step is skipped as well. Um, and we go straight into that action plan into the planning phase and then you know, it's very easy to get lost in those action planning steps when you don't have scope and opportunities and barriers, all of those things planned out. So I um, completely agree on its importance. And it sounds like Yale has a really great tool that you all use for your charter and action plan. So um, it's, it's really great to hear how robust that is. Now that we have as a team, you know, our action plan, we've created our charter. What, you know, pearls and advice do you have when you're in the execution step of uh, the plan that we've created? Yeah, that's a good question as well. Um, as the project manager is leading the team to execute this project, I would say one of the most important things is to keep the lines of communication open, kind of what we discussed earlier. So as you're coordinating the activities, engaging your key stakeholders, obtaining the approvals that you need, and as the project progressed, uh, barriers or issues can arise at any moment that requires the team to regroup, find potential solutions. Um, and if it's an actual risk that can be a detriment that would put your project on hold, it's definitely something that you need to be aware about and be able to escalate and communicate to your sponsor. And so this uh, brings into the next phase, which is like monitoring and controlling your project um, to make sure that's uh, staying on track. And so the way uh, a lot of the project leaders should be looking at this is as you're meeting with your team to run through the action plan, you're also uh, leaving this meeting or also offline comparing your plan to the project charter itself over and over again and doing that continuously because 
if you see that there is enough issues that arise, it could be that your project has a risk of being put on hold. Um, and the other part that you're trying to do too is have an issues log so that you can actually document what your solutions are to different issues because some of our projects may be repeated or have different components that are similar um, and you're able to kind of resolve the same way using that solution. And over time, projects uh, may have uh, some additional requirements that are added on. And so as you are leading the project and discussing this with the team, if you notice that your action plans start to be modified by increasing the timeline, that's definitely something where you want to pause and talk to the sponsor. And I would just put a caveat here that the action plan itself is a living, breathing document, and it's supposed to modify and change, but you just need to make sure that it is modifying, changing within scope uh, by comparing it to the project charter. Um, and so in, in my experience, project scope creep can occur if there is a very poorly defined scope or poor communications with raising and raising issues and concerns or unclear objectives, like those SMART goals that I mentioned earlier. And if those are not addressed, then the project really can fail. And uh, in my opinion, too, this, the status report outs are really important to keep sponsors engaged and are aware of the progress and then committees in the loop. Um, and so one of the templates that we actually used for project report out, it includes, it pulls back in the defined threshold target and stretch goals. And then we use colors to identify different statuses. So red for us means that we have not met thresholds. Yellow means that we've met thresholds. Green, meeting target. Blue, met stretch. Um, and we also include highlights uh, to remind the team. So key accomplishments, upcoming activities. And then if you're reporting out to a committee, we also highlight active issues and barriers in case people have advice or other questions for us and risks. Um, and at a minimum, we want to have this kind of status report out every quarter. And then we always refer back to project charter and monitor the actions plan progress. So it's really important to monitor uh, bef uh, before you get to that scope creep and, and can't manage your project appropriately anymore. Thanks, Tina. Yeah, I completely agree with the, especially the call out that you made for scope creep, I think is so interesting. A lot of the time in the moment, we may not even notice it's happening, as you said, unless we have kept very close track of, and they're continually looking back to that project charter um, and the scope that we've outlined in the charter. Uh, way back at the start of this podcast too, you had mentioned that you know projects should have an end. Um, can you talk to us a bit more about what you mean by that and how we should be closing out a project, right? It seems all too often we kind of let these projects fizzle out towards the end with no um, clear follow-up. What pearls do you have for us? Um, that is uh, the closing of our project is definitely a phase that a lot of us miss and it continues on. And so the importance of making that charter and the action plan is that you understand when the end uh, should occur and what your deliverables are so that you know that when you achieve the deliverables, that's when you need to close out that project and hand off. And so for us, Closing out or handing off a project uh, is important because you go back and take a look at your action plan and your charter and you ensure that every single component is completed and that the deliverables have been achieved. And uh, we actually have a tool for that too. Um, it reminds me of Farm Academic um, for those that have completed those evaluations, but our document that we use for lessons learned and closing out project, it includes a reflection component. So we actually have the team sit down, highlight the three biggest successes, um, and then three areas of potential improvements with strategies around that. 
so that uh, in future projects, they can go back and, and kind of learn and utilize what they've learned from previous projects. And then it's also very important for the team to pause and reflect on all the project management process because a lot of time our team members may be new um, and they may have developed new skills or better ways to escalate or handle certain issues. And then there is a section in the document where we indicate things like key stakeholders to maintain relationships with post the project's completion or other additional closeout steps like reporting out to the sponsors or the committee just to report out the different metrics or reports of service that you created. And I would add to this that every project is very different. And so your deliverables are very different. Um, and so each closeout step is very different. And so, for example, if your project was to create and start up a service, then your handoff is probably uh, handing off those key stakeholders, key contacts, and the service over to the person who would maintain and run that over time. So there may be a project team that's there to start it up, but then now the person who's maintaining is a completely different group. And so you just want to make sure that you have that handoff there. Um, and so for me, like in general, what I would say for for project management pearls and tips, I would say project management is a huge undertaking. Um, and it's definitely something that you build upon over time with more projects, more experiences. But the key to success is really nailing down that project detail, um, putting down that detail in the charter, the action plan, picking the right complement of team members is really important so that you have the right individuals giving you different perspectives, but also helping you with the action steps. Managing project risk is really important uh, because it could put your project on hold and cause scope creep. And so the other part is avoiding scope creep to begin with by making sure that you define your project charter really well and are able to escalate and communicate appropriately to the, to the sponsor and the key stakeholders so that they're aware. And for me, all that combined really helps with ensuring your project has uh, a higher chance of success overall. Really appreciate those final pearls and how to close out a project. I know I, in this time today, learned uh, a lot that I can incorporate into my own practices. And I really hope our listeners learned uh, a lot of new information about project management. Um, you know, definitely not one of those fundamental skills that us who were trained as pharmacists come out of with pharmacy school, right? So, really appreciate your time today, Tina. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today for our ASHP Leadership Podcast Series. Find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading pharmacy enterprises and teams, and practice management on the ASHP website. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.